my name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. So today I'm speaking with Ian Goswell. He's the Group Operations Director for Easy Hotel, which is part of the Easy Group. Now, I first met Ian in 2017 when he worked as Regional Ops Director for Travel Lodge. I was impressed that Ian had started his career at Travel Lodge 12 years earlier and had risen quickly through the ranks. I always feel that this sort of progression within an organisation demonstrates real drive and tenacity. He describes his current role as an emotional roller coaster. So I can't wait to hear more about that. Ian, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for being with us. No, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, I am keen to get you in the success mindset from the outset by asking you to shake your pom-poms. And what that means, Ian, is it's all about celebrating your successes. I believe that the key to well-being is about being able to really recognise the things that you do well and be proud of them. So I'm keen to hear your three things that you're proud of. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess my first one would be my career. You're right, it's been a, been a long journey and one that uh, I never thought would evolve into, into what it has been. So that's probably the first thing. Second thing is the people that I work with. I'm really proud of the people that I work with and the effort that they put in and, and how they look after our customers and, and our guests. And then sort of thirdly is just the support that I get from my family and my wife and stuff like that just really helped me just continue to focus on my journey. I couldn't do it without it. They always say that, yeah, every great man has a great woman behind it. That's absolutely <laughs> true as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, yeah, really, really great to have, have that as part of my uh, my support line. And I love that as part of those three things, you've got a balance between work and home um, because so often we can get kind of blinkered into just focusing on one area of our life and the rest of it suffers but the fact that you're bringing in the family piece there um, is really really great because it shows that you recognize that balance Absolutely. so you've said that career is one of the things that you're really proud of and I know how passionate you are about your people as well and you really care about them and, and recognize that they're really close to your customers I'm really keen to hear a little bit more about your career and, and what that's meant really in terms of your progression and where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I, when I started Travelodge back in 2005, I had no experience of hospitality. Um, I think I'd stayed in a hotel. That's about as close as I got to the <laughs> hotel industry. So, yeah, I kind of fell into the role and just naturally felt that I was good at it. And that sort of flowed through. I enjoyed it. I loved what I did. I was enjoying it. And that kind of helped me with my progression because I think that stood out. I was always enthusiastic, always keen to take on new challenges. Nothing ever really fazed me. And there was a number of uncomfortable moments during that career with Travelodge that 
you know, I sort of reflect on and look back and think, wow, how did I get myself through that? Um, yeah. So it's quite interesting to sort of look back and I am a bit of a reflector and that's something that's changed in me in, in sort of my time throughout my career. But you have that passion and that kind of enjoyment of what you did. And do you think that's been very much part of, you know, the, where you are today and, and the brilliant role that you've got now? Yeah, I mean, I, I love working with people. It's one of my key things. It has to be something that, you know, motivates me probably. I think that it really is important to transcend what you do onto other people. And if they can see that you're really passionate about something, that sort of flows into them. And there's that old adage that, you know, behaviour breeds behaviour. I absolutely believe in that. If you create a positive environment to work in, then people will kind of follow you through that. So you just have to remember, particularly now in my, in my role that I'm doing now, that, you know, if I'm having a tough day, that can easily transcend onto my team um, and, and that can have a, a negative impact. So I need to be really mindful of that, which is, again, another thing that I've had to learn through my career. No, I love that. And, and let's just pick up on that then. So when you are having a tough day, how do you manage that? What sort of mechanisms do you put in place to yeah. bring yourself out? Yeah, I mean, that's the tough bit, bringing yourself <laughs> out of the situation you're in. I need to recognise it. And, and there's triggers that I've noticed about myself. I tend to become quite insular. I tend to go and sit on my own. And sometimes what I do is I just stop what I'm doing, forget about it, and I'll go into the breakout area where the team are. I'll talk to the team. I'll talk to some of the guys about football. I'll talk to the girls about what soaps they watch, particularly Love Island, you know, etc. <laughs> I knew nothing about Love Island until I started talking to the girls about that. So always just to give me a completely different mindset. And then I find that I just restart myself, really. Um, and then I can go back to where, to where I am. And that gives me the, the focus to carry on with what I'm doing. So that's really interesting. So one of the things that you want to do is kind of go into yourself, but actually to when you recognise that, you go and seek out connection. Yeah. And it's the connection then that brings you out yeah. and allows you to, to carry on with your day in Absolutely. a more positive mindset. Love that connection is what it's all about. <laughs> so obviously you are now heading up a huge operation. I think there's 40 hotels all Yeah, across the group. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And, and you get to lots of glamorous locations as well. <laughs> which I love. So you were telling me this morning that you've got hotels in Nice and in Barcelona and that's a tough job, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds very glamorous. <laughs> I can assure you, I spend a lot of time in airports, which isn't very glamorous. But uh, yeah, I mean, the guys the guys that work in those locations are, are fabulous. You know, they're, they're really key to our success. You know, when you're working in an organisation where you're not necessarily, you know, going to see your line manager every day or speak to him every day, you know, there's that relationship and that communication piece is really important. So I tend to try and have that just quick catch-ups with them every week just to say, hi, how are things going? Over the telephone, over a Skype call, something like that. Yes. Um, and then I will go out and spend time with them. But, you know, those guys do a fabulous job. And, and you know, again, I trust them immensely um, to go and deliver a, a great experience for our customers. That is brilliant. And, and I guess, you know, this is what you do now, but let's roll back to when you were seven. Yeah. You know, the therapist in me loves going back to people when they were seven. But what I'm keen to know is what did you want to be when you grew up? Every boy wants to be a footballer, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I was, from a very young age, crazy about football. Still am. 43 years of age and I'm still trying Brilliant. to play football now. So, yeah, it's something I love. It's a passion that I've had all my life. It's, it's kind of how I link with my friends you know, a lot of my friends are people that I play football with or, yeah. you know, are my work colleagues are, are people that I have conversations with about football. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I can remember from a very young age being sort of, you know, 
six or seven, you know, and just kicking the ball against the wall and, you know, my mum and dad coming out, sort of my dad sort of looking at me going, really? It's nine o'clock at night and, you know, you're kicking the ball. What, what's it all about? It's just, I loved it. So, yeah, that was my dream. It still is my dream. Oh, but don't think it's ever going to happen. But yeah, maybe in another life. Maybe in another life. But there's something about football, isn't there? I, re- I was reading about this in Matthew Syed's book and he talks about David Beckham and his deliberate practice when he was a kid, that idea of being relentless in the pursuit of excellence and wanting to, you know, constantly practice the keep the uppies or whatever it is that you call them. So, you know, when you talk about being at nine o'clock at night, kicking the ball against the wall, that's that kind of deliberate practice, isn't it? Wanting to get better and get better and make those marginal gains. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's one of the things that has contributed to who you are today and the success that you enjoy. And you might not be a footballer, but that the essence of that practice and that pursuit of excellence will come through in the work that you do today. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be the best that you can be, I think, is what you're after. Yeah. Um, so to do that, you have to practice. And, you know, I even recognise that in my role now. You know, I have to practice every single day to get better at things that I'm not good at. Yes. Um, and that's uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah, I can totally relate to that. I love that. And and I guess, you know, that's what you wanted to be, that dream of being the footballer. But I know that you joined Travelodge in 2005. But what's your first ever job? Wow, now you're asking. Actually, it was a. I worked in Sainsbury's. Um, Fabulous. And I on worked, the checkout. No, I took it to the whole new level. I worked on the fish counter. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> so uh, I always remember because it was the Sainsbury's that was near where my nan lived. Bless her. And I worked on the fish counter. It was a brand new store. I'd been recruited by the by the team, um, and I trained. On, and I always remember how I was learning how to fillet a mackerel. Um, and for anyone that knows what that's like, they are a very bony fish. Nice. Uh, so doing that was, again, quite a repetitive task. But again, I had to practice and practice and practice because they wouldn't let me loose on the counter without having that skill. Because obviously customers say, oh, can you fill it that for me? And so, yeah, but I always, I always remember going home, my dad saying to me, God, you smell a fish. So like, what do you expect? I work on a fish counter. So... Yeah, well, probably wasn't good for my um, for my younger days when I was trying to date, but um, yeah, um, always remember it as a fun experience. And my nan used to be sort of kind and come in and so I'll buy a couple of those tuna steaks off you and oh, stuff like that. So it's quite cute. So nice memories. So I mean, you know, you you had this job in Sainsbury's, but did you know then that you would be as successful as you are today? No, I, I, for me, that was just a job. It was just a job where I would go out. It allowed me to go out the weekend, allowed me to, you know, buy a car, allowed me to, you know, have nice clothes. That was it. Pay a bit of rent to my parents. That that was it. It was a get up, go to work, get up, go to work. That was, it was no real meaning behind it. So, yeah, I, no idea. So when did you develop the drive then that I can see clearly that you have today? I think it was probably about two years into my Travelodge career. Okay. So I had been running a, a fairly small hotel it was okay when I started there but I'd got it to a place where it was number one in the district you know the CEO was saying you know how are you getting your customer metrics to this what are you doing all those sorts of things and my boss said to me I've got a new opportunity and you know it's going to be tough and I, and I got the opportunity to run Gatwick Airport for Travelodge and for anyone that would have been there or seen those in those days property was old had lots of issues um, and I remember on the day when my boss took me in there and, and sort of showed me and said oh so what do you think and I just thought yeah I can do this I can do this and actually that's when my passion for you know making things better and creating really positive environments to work in really sort of you know I got behind it because I had to do a lot of things there that I never dreamed of doing give us some examples I'd never cooked steak so I ended up working in the bar in the restaurant helping to cook steaks 
cleaning bedrooms, you know, unblocking toilets, not the most glamorous of jobs, you know, but I did it to set the standard with my team. Um, And I always remember that one of the girls in the cleaning team came and said, oh, we need to take this room offline. I said, what, a toilet's blocked? She said, don't worry about it, I'll I'll sort it out. She was like, what are you going to do? I said, can you just get me a plastic bag? I remember putting this plastic bag around my hand and putting my hand down the loo and unblocking it and it cleared. And I went, all right, we can sell the room. She was like, yeah, you are the manager, right? I was like, yeah, I am. She's like, I've never seen anyone do that before. And it was just about saying, look, yes, I'm the manager, but that for me is just the title. Yes. I am just like you. I just want to do a good job. So if I can help you do a good job, then that's what I'm going to do. That is brilliant. That idea of kind of rolling your sleeves up, nothing is too much for you. And- yeah. And being there for your people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd never ask anyone to do anything that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. That um, and, I, and that's quite that's something that stuck me all the way through uh, my career, even even now. You know, those difficult conversations, I will always, if I think my team are, are needing a bit of support, I'll go and have those conversations. And I might be, you know, wetting myself inside, yeah. not thinking, how am I going to deal with this? But it's getting over that fear and just thinking, just what's the worst can happen? That's a really good point, actually, when it comes to fear is that what is the worst that can happen? But I guess also what's the best that can happen Absolutely. as well. Um, and and not being afraid. And, and as you say, just knowing that you're going to feel a little bit probably emotional on the inside, yeah. but it's for the greater good. Absolutely. Um, and you get on with it because it's your role. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. And you sort of said that in your travel lodge career, there are things that you've had to face into and, and it might be that that's where you go with this question, but it might be something that's outside of work. But I'm keen to understand if you've faced into any adversity in your life and, and how that has made you stronger and what you've learned from it. Yeah, I think it's quite hard when you face that that big mountain if you like it almost appears to be something you can't quite get over and I guess reflecting probably travel or was a bit of that I think probably outside of work when I, I when I had a family lost my lost my nan it hurt me quite a lot yeah. still does but what I learned to do was surround myself with really positive people I don't have lots and lots of friends but I have great friends okay. um, and I have great family so by surrounding myself with people that I can talk to be open with and I think sometimes problem shared is problem halved. And that's exactly what I did to get over that adversity. So, you know, tough time. I took it quite personally. It was a big shock. Yes. Um, and it wasn't something I was prepared for. And I, because I wasn't prepared for it, I didn't quite know how to handle it. So I needed to call on those great people to give me that help. And, and that's a big ask sometimes because I'm not the sort of person that generally asks for help. I just get on and do stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's quite that's quite a big point in my life where I kind of learn a lot about myself but also about who I need and who I don't need yes absolutely and loss is so so difficult because you know it doesn't matter who you are you're going to go through what we call the grief curve which you know takes you through a number of different steps and one of those steps is denial and then we go into anger and then it's down into what's known as depression which isn't depression in the sense of the word we all understand but that kind of real low point before you come up the other side and and that reaching out for people and, and getting support and help is so important in that moment when you're feeling that low. Um, and the fact that you're, you're mentioning the word like-minded, I think, is key as well. Because often we can reach out to the people who keep us down there. Mm, <laughs> because yeah. that's the mindset they're in and, yeah. and it doesn't help. And that wallowing kind of goes on for absolutely, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that, that you, you're surrounding yourself with positive people. Not a lot of them, but we don't need a lot, do we? No. If they're the right kind. Absolutely. And then you're able to kind of share how you're feeling. 
Yeah. That's brilliant. So I guess what's, you know, kind of coming out of that and thinking about what the biggest life lesson has been for you, what would you say? I think always be yourself, be honest and be open. Um, yeah. Really, really important. You know, I, I remember my time back in Travelodge when I was applying for my first area manager role. I was up against the guy that had a very good reputation, um, had the same sort of results as what I was delivering. So, you know, like for like and in terms of, of people and what, and what we're about, but very, he had a very different style of different style of management to me. Yeah. Um, I believe in, you know, trusting people, giving them opportunity, letting them go and learn, make mistakes, come back and find out, you know, how they can correct those mistakes. And his was more a sort of command and control approach. Okay. And I did the interview. I was honest and open in that interview. And actually I didn't get the job on that time round. And I, I sort of went away thinking, oh, wow, I should have just, should, just should have said something completely different. <laughs> I shouldn't have been like that. I should have been. I shouldn't have been should me. Have I should. Have, I should have just been that really hard nailed, you know, area manager. Um, and actually, what happened was probably about 12, 18 months later, I kind of went past him in my career yes. because that wasn't the opportunity that was meant for me. There was another opportunity, and I'm a great believer in that. That yes. you know, fate will happen. Just keep plugging away, doing your thing on a day to day basis, and great things will happen. And actually, you know, sort of remember, it was quite quite rude to me when he got the role. You know, it's quite sort of you know, I've got the position, you haven't. Look at me. Oh. Uh, and then about eighteen months, year down the line, he was reporting into me, right. um, which is quite <laughs> funny. Um, so, and again, I you know, it was quite good when that happened because that solved a lot of issues. Yes. I think with him. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's that thing around, you know, that authenticity piece. And I talk to people all the time about having a persona for work and a persona at home and and actually how damaging that can be for the psyche. So it's really refreshing to hear the fact that, you know, you are true to who you are. And it's one of the things I recognised in you when we first met. You know, the Ian that you kind of chat with and have a coffee with one-to-one is exactly the same Ian who you see with his people um, you know, you you just show up as you, yeah. and there's no acting, and there's no kind of different faces that you that you present. And I think that's not only refreshing, but I think it's rare to to find people uh, in particularly in senior positions who operate like that. And it just shows, doesn't it, that when something doesn't go your way, having that drive and tenacity that I referred to right at the beginning in terms of your career progression. It sees you through and it sees you soar over and above those people who might have got there before you. So I think that's amazing and, and something definitely worth celebrating. Thanks. So I guess, you know, moving on to what drives and motivates you. One of the things I'm really interested in at the moment is how senior leaders and executives manage stress on those days when, you know, everything is going wrong and you've got people you know, not showing up for work, you might have stuff going on at home, it's really difficult. And all the organisations at the moment seem to be shining a light on mental health and on managing well-being. And I'm not overly convinced that that actually filters through in reality to what's expected of us as leaders. So I'm keen to understand what you do to kind of manage your well-being and make sure that you stay tip top. Yeah, I mean, I'm terrible at reading. Um, I'm a ter- I'd love to say that I can sit there and read a ton of books, but I can't. But thank God technology has caught up um, and audio books oh, are the heaven. way forward. Absolutely. Um, I spend quite a lot of time on the train, travelling, 
so for me, just putting an audio book on, putting my headphones in, and you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be about business. It can be listening. I was listening to um, Michael Owen's book recently, just looking at his career and you know how he sort of flourished from a young lad into an England player, etc., and stuff yes. like that. I sometimes listen to podcasts. What's your um, favourite podcast? Well, then? actually, I'm listening to Peter Crouch at the moment. He's hilarious. Fabulous. Yeah, I've um, heard this. He's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and again, not something that I would have expected from him, which is quite surprising, which is good fun. Yeah. Um, so again, if I'm having quite a tough day, I don't necessarily want to read something about that's quite serious. I want to lighten the mood. Yeah. Um, so just listening to something like Peter Crouch is quite funny because it kind of makes takes me away and then I can come back. And again, that's that whole point of recognising when I'm in that really tough area and just pulling myself out and then going, okay, now I'm back again. I can get back into that. And I do that quite often. I think it's important to, to spend time with my family. Yeah. You know, they are, my daughter is fabulous. How I know old my is she? She's five. Going oh. on, five going on six, going on 15. Um, but um, she's very theatrical. She loves a show. Oh. Um, so if I ever need to, to sort of cheer myself up, we'll put the music on and we'll have a little daddy and, and, and daughter time, which is always quite nice. Um, which I would never share with anyone. Is this dancing, Liam? Um, there, is, there, to... is, there is dancing. Um, there is uh, there's some theatrical uh, movements in there. So, um, yeah. Hands. Yeah, there's a bit of that. But um, So, yeah, that's really important. And then I, I play sport. I love my sport. Oh, tell me about this. Um, well, so football. Football. I play football. And I've recently just taken up coaching the side that I'm and managing the side that I play for. Um, oh, wow. Because they kind of need a bit of help. So, again, that's a whole new experience because you've got people that are my friends... Um, people that I've never met before. You're kind of trying to get them to gel as a team and get everyone yes. to work. So it's using my work knowledge to try and embed that into them as well, which is quite interesting because kind of see me, I sometimes feel like I'm at work on a Saturday afternoon, yes. but not, which is quite fun. Yeah, with well. my mates. So I'm kind of sort of toning the... Uh, toning it down but it's fun and it's competitive and you know we all want to try and win um you know but we're good friends win lose draw we all come off we all go down the pub on a saturday afternoon we watch the results we all have a pint um, and have have a good laugh and that is really important to me to be able to do that and you've got to be pretty fit to run around at 43 yeah run around a football pitch for 90 minutes yeah i probably sound i'm surprised some of the guys i play with because they kind of look at me and go how are you still doing this (laughs) And it is a bit of a common joke. Are you the oldest on the uh, pitch? No, uh, actually, I am actually the oldest now. Yeah, the, the other guys retired. Um, maybe <laughs> I should think about that soon, but not no, quite yet. Um, no, no, no. But yeah, so I think, you know, because I'm, again, because I'm probably one of the oldest, there is an expectation of, you know, is he going to is he going to last the ninety minutes? Yes. You know, is he you know is he going to get an injury? And actually, you find out that the the younger guys that I play football with are, are probably more prone to injury than I am, and and generally get tired a lot quicker, which okay. I can't work out. But I think it's because I've been doing it for so long, my body's just accustomed to it. It's conditioned, and it's conditioned yeah. to it. Yeah. And so you do football. Do you do anything else in terms of kind of nutrition or? Yeah, I mean, we. My wife's super super health freak. She goes to the gym pretty much every day. Yeah. Uh, she's very careful about what we eat, so lots of protein and stuff like that. So really conscious about what we eat. I don't really eat junk food. Um, okay. If we do, it's a real treat. And again, that's sort of partly to do with my daughter as well. I wanted to sort of grow up with that mindset that, yes. you know, it's just don't eat junk all the time. You know, try and, you know, eat your vegetables. You know, and actually, that's probably her favourite food is, you know, sweet corn, you know, carrots, all in the mix, packed broccoli. She loves it. Yeah. Um, she'd eat bowls and bowls of that if I served it to her. So I think that's quite important. So... Yeah, you know, sort of healthy, healthy diet, healthy mind. You know, you, should, you know, I like to think you've got a healthy opportunity. Yeah, so you're role modelling for your daughter there as well. So yeah. you've got this kind of 
a balance, I suppose, again, around um, from, from a well-being perspective, you've got the time out aspect, taking time for you. You've got the kind of passions outside of work, being the football, which is kind of twofold because it gives you exercise as well. And you're taking care of your nutrition. Yeah. So what about mindfulness? Do you do any of that? No, I'm rubbish at that. That's, to be honest, I, I, you know, again, that's said to be authentic. I, I'm rubbish at that stuff. I'm not. Um, I'm not very good at that at all. No, I'm the same. I think when you have a busy mind, yeah. it's very difficult to switch, switch it off. off. But just being able to take two minutes to to do that when you're on the train is really really helpful. As difficult as it is, so no. I definitely recommend that. Um, so I'm keen to. As we're kind of coming to an end, I'm keen to understand what it is that you look for in others in terms of, you know, the traits when you're looking for your people, for example, at work. What are you searching for? Personality, first ah. and foremost. Someone that is natural and is them. I, again, I, I'm an authentic guy. I like to think you get yes. what you see is what you get. I look to see that in my people. People that are passionate about what they do, they've got real ambition, can do as opposed to can't do. And people that are, are open enough to say, yeah, I'm not very good at that and I need to work harder on that and understand where their weaknesses and their strengths are. But also look at whether they fit the team. You know, I've got another, you know, 13, 14 people that I need to consider. Yes. And then on top of that, their teams that I need to think, okay, well, these people integrate and work together. And, you know, it's quite good when you're building a team to get a different dynamic in the team. And, yeah. you know, you need a bit of everything. You need your analyst. You need your sort of really crazy outgoing person. You need your very direct into, you know, I'm just going to get stuff done person. So I think it's, a, it's building that really good team. It's and like again, a jigsaw, really. Well, it's like a football team. I know yeah. I refer yeah, it all to yeah. a football team, but you need a great centre-back, a great midfield, you need a great, a great striker. I love it. And then you just need to build your team around that. It sounds really stupid, but everything does go back to football, and that's probably what we were saying <laughs> earlier. So actually, that dream is still alive in me, um, and I'm, I'm going to carry that forward in my career. But yeah, I think, you know, I want my team to enjoy what they do, and yeah. they all need to get on. And they won't always get on all the time because that's just not possible. But most of the time, I like them to all work together and feel they're part of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And if they're part of what we're trying to achieve, then they'll be successful, but we'll be successful as a company. And that, that's really important. I love that. And I love that you've just picked up that whole growth mindset piece around mistakes. Because so often, you know, we are conditioned when we make a mistake to kind of, you know, get out the big stick and beat ourselves with it and feel terrible. But also a lot of leaders in the command and control mindset would be picking people up on those mistakes and therefore mistakes are something that we are conditioned to fear through work as well. And I love the fact that you talk about, you know, if we've made a mistake, then it's okay. And what do we learn from it? And, and how do we stop it from happening next time? And I think the fact that you drive that is brilliant. So thank you for sharing that. Now, in my house, Ian, we play something called the five second rule game. And what this is, is you in five seconds need to answer a question with three things. So no pressure whatsoever. Okay. Now, we do call it in my house the five second game rule for some reason, rather than the five second rule game. And I have a couple of things that I want to ask you. So we'll just fire away and see how well you do. Okay. So, Ian, in the five second game rule, I want you to name three things that you're grateful for. My family, my parents, my wife. Oh, straight off the bat. No messing. <laughs> Family, parents, wife. So really kind of the people that you're Backbone surrounded what I'm, with. Backbone of what I'm about. Oh, I love that. And that idea of, you know, we, we talked about mindfulness a few seconds ago, that idea of mindfulness 
focusing in on what you're grateful for is one of the keys to great well-being and, and actually gets us out of that lack mindset about all the things that we don't have so it's one of the things that I always encourage clients to do and I love the fact that yours are connected with family because um, again when we're so focused on work it's easy to forget those yeah but they're front and center in the five second game rule. I love it. So another one then, because you're so good. Um, (laughs) In the five second game rule, Ian, name three traits of a successful person. Integrity, honesty, um, passion. Oh, straight off the bat again. (laughs) You're a winner. You're a winner. And we'll do one more as you're so good. So in the five second game rule, name three things that you can do to perk up your mood. Uh, Take yourself away from the situation and, and just do something different don't take yourself too seriously and go listen to some music oh love it so that was probably about 10 seconds but I'll give you that because they were good and the last one the go and listen to some music I have this thing about the fire in your belly song so mine is the White Stripes Seven Nation Army and I have that on my phone for those days when you know when you just don't want to get up Mm -hmm. or you can't be bothered or you know you're feeling a bit low put that on and I'm like you dancing around the kitchen so I'm loving the music aspect of that one and so uh it, I mean it's been an absolute joy to speak to you and to hear more particularly about authenticity and about your passion for what you do and your passion for football and your people and I guess to close what I am keen to understand the big question I suppose is what do you believe is the ultimate secret to success Believe in yourself, hard work, and it's okay to be afraid, I think. Oh, that's a winner, that last one. <laughs> and, and I guess, you know, hearing you speak today, the one thing that came through as you started to talk about the Travelodge journey was that underlying self-belief that, you know, it might be difficult some days and there might be things that I'm facing into that I don't know what I'm doing, but I believe that I can do it. And and that came through everything that you were talking about. So I think that self-belief is so, so important. And it's inside all of us if we tap into it, but often we let that fear get in the way. And what you're saying is have the self-belief, do the hard work that, that has to come with that. But then equally, when you do feel the fear, step over it. Absolutely. And if you're going to step over the fear, what's the big tip to do that? I would say, don't think about it. Just get on with it. Just do it. Just do it. I'm not the whole Nike energy. Yeah, just do it. Love it. Love it. Ian, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. And I just wish you a lovely rest of your day. And um, I look forward to seeing what comes next in your career. Great, thanks for having me, I appreciate it. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.